I'm Julianne DeLynn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Welcome, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. You're working on a project. Tell us a little about it. Yeah, it's kind of a long-term project. I've been working on it for quite some time, and I think there's still a lot to be done. Uh, but basically, I've, as, as I watch what happens in the world around me, I see that there are a number of people, especially the up-and-coming generation, that maybe questions the need for a belief in God, that uh, we've maybe moved past that, and that science has all the answers and can demonstrate that... Uh, there's no, not only that there is no God, but there's no need for a God for the world to exist or people to have evolved and so forth. And uh, I'd like to be able to address that and show that, because I'm a firm believer in science. I, I think truth is truth and that science has come a long ways and, and provided some very important truths about uh, how the world works and how, you know, humans develop and so forth. But we don't have to jettison a belief in the divine to accept science. I, I think that they can be harmonized. Uh, sometimes it requires us maybe changing our viewpoints on some of the things that we thought that uh, religion teaches where, you know, maybe it's based on traditions and assumptions rather than on actual doctrines. And so I, I've uh, tentatively entitled uh, my book, um, God is a Scientific Character. Interesting. Yeah, but Brigham Young actually said that, and so I'm kind of borrowing a, a quote from him. And uh, like I said, that's kind of where it fits in. I've, I've been doing a lot of reading from atheists, agnostics, uh, uh, neuroscience, you know, how the brain works and so forth. And uh, all of this stuff, I think, can be blended together in a paradigm that accepts uh, belief. And, and uh, so that's what I'm hoping to point out. But like I said, still doing a lot of research um, and writing on it. I, I do have a a chapter that's kind of tied into this that will be coming out in uh, Coford books uh, is uh, going to be printing, I think, sometime this summer, hopefully maybe by the Fair Mormon Conference in August, um, a, a, their series on philosophy, and they're doing one on apologetics, and they asked me to contribute a chapter, and I'm using a little bit of the uh, research that I've drawn uh, for my book and included it into the chapter that I produced for them. So we'll, we'll see when that actually comes out. Well, we'll make sure there's a notice on the Fair Mormon Facebook page when that comes out. Great. Yeah, that would be good. Tonight we're talking about the unknown new world. First of all, what do you mean by the unknown new world? Well, in Joseph Smith's day, there really wasn't, there still isn't a lot known now. I mean, we, we've obviously learned a lot through the years, but there's still a lot to learn. And in Joseph Smith's day, a, a lot less was known. And it, it's kind of a common anti-LDS argument to say, well, you know, archaeology's been around now for hundreds of years. We know about the New World, and there's no proof of Nephites or Lamanites, so therefore the Book of Mormon is fictional. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, we really don't know as much as we'd like to know about the ancient New World. We've definitely uh, expanded our knowledge from uh, where it was a few hundred years ago, but we have a long way to go. 
Your book says that we have uncovered less than 1% of the Mesoamerican sites. Is that correct? You know, that was a, a quote that I drew from George Stewart, uh, who's a very highly respected non-LDS Mesoamerican archaeologist. And he said that um, back in about 1980, I believe it was. And it's interesting that uh, roughly maybe three years ago, I was having a conversation with Mark Wright, and, and he's an LDS archaeologist. He, he, he has a, a PhD in archaeology and specializes in Mesoamerican archaeology. And he had attended an archaeological conference and was talking with this same George Stewart. And George Stewart told him the same thing then as he had mentioned back in roughly 1980, that there's you know basically less than 1% of these sites that have been uncovered that we really know anything about. So, so not much has changed in the last 30-some-odd years as far as percentage-wise of what we know from the ancient New World. And, and so if, if, you know, 90... Eight to ninety-nine percent, or something, of uh, Mesoamerica is really undiscovered or uncatalogued or unknown. You know, how can we say there's no evidence for Nephites? Why don't you discuss the main reasons we don't have more information about the New World? Okay, there's a, there's a number of them, and and I've tried to list the most common or the most difficult ones in uh, my book. Uh, number one is the terrain of the jungle. In, in the ancient old world, we have this dry climate where things are preserved. And, and so texts are preserved. You know, the, that's why we're able to find these uh, papyrus documents. Bones are preserved and so forth. And in and, and, and this, this ideal situation where these artifacts from thousands of years ago have survived. And even then, there's, you know, we find artifacts, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that has disappeared also. But... Uh, we have kind of a unique situation there. Whereas in the New World, we have tropical jungle conditions, uh, humidity that destroys stuff, rusts metal, um, you know, just wipes out almost anything that's made over time and, and, and kind of this growth that uh, covers things up and makes it uh, very difficult to find things. So, so I think that's one of the biggest challenges. The other thing is lack of funds. Um, in archaeology or any kind of science in general, there's only so much money that can go around. And, uh, you know, the funds have to be distributed in some areas, and there's never enough money going to the work of scientists that uh, uh, would like to dig up and know more about ancient America or, or probably ancient Near East as well, even though a lot more money has been funneled in that direction. Uh, more is coming through Mesoamerican studies as, you know, uh, a number of non-LDS archaeologists and so forth, have, that field has grown. But th there's never enough money for those types of things. Then we have the problem of looting. And this is actually a really, really big problem. I read years ago in a National Geographic is where, what first alerted me to this. Um, scholars would find these cities, these ancient sites, and they would basically make a notation of them. Well, then again, they would have to get funding and people to come down and excavate these. Which and could take a, years. Exactly. It's a very time-consuming process. It's not like we see in Indiana Jones, you know, we, that they have to go there and I mean, clear areas and painstakingly brush off, you know, these artifacts and so forth. Well, they'd return and... Uh, you, you had basically Indiana Jones type looters that have come there and just broke through everything to collect stuff that they could sell to to uh, private um, collectors. 
And, and so the looting is a big, big problem in Mesopotamia. And you can't station guards or, you know, down in these areas. Um, you, you mark them, you leave, and you hope that it's going to be there when you come back. And in many cases, the stuff is, is gone. It's been looted. And then the last one that I list is cities being built over cities. And this is not, again, unique to the ancient New World, but it is a problem. Um, it, it's common when one group maybe vanquishes another group or, or, mm-hmm. t- or blends with them, whatever. They build their own city. They tear down. It happens even in modern times. You know, you, you tear down a street corner uh, that once had a local pizza place and you put up, uh, you know, a Walgreens or something. And, and the same thing happened in ancient times. And so you have to sometimes get through layer after layer of things to find time uh, the time frame of artifacts that would have related to Book of Mormon studies. So, so there's ancient cities there, but obviously they don't they don't all fall within the realm of what we need to know uh, for Book of Mormon studies. And so you have a lot of digging to get to that point. When Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon, what was known in his day about the New World? Even less? It, tons less. Tons less was known just because... Uh, there hadn't really been a lot of work going on there. I mean, you didn't have, for the most part, professional archaeologists. You had, you had, uh, you know, very interested people that were were heading to um, Central America to try to learn, but you didn't have the kind of studies that we have now. Um, you had some people that were trying to be careful, though, and conscientious about it. But this all started pretty much after the Book of Mormon had already been published. It really kind of started with uh, Stevens and Catherwood, which was a team that went down there and and uh, started cataloging or at least recognizing some of this information and, and drew, he didn't have you know cameras and stuff down there, so the um, artists would, would draw or make renderings of what they had seen down there. And it's interesting, as the information of this started reaching newspapers and, and coming up to uh, the attention of Joseph Smith, uh, he was excited about it. You know, it, to him it looked like this is verification for the Book of Mormon, which in a sense it was. But it was after the Book of Mormon was already published before these findings uh, started reaching, you know, uh, t- typical American uh, colonies where, where people could learn from it. So these are the Mayan ruins and so forth? Yeah, and there were several ruins down there that they were looking through. And again, not everything that was uh, recorded. And we, we have this problem in Mormon culture in general, um, and, and maybe just not in, in Mormon culture, but everywhere, is that people tend to look for evidence in areas that has nothing to do with the topic of discussion. And so, you know, the cultures from the Aztecs and Incas and, and things that were a little too late for this. Some Latter-day Saints have... have uh, grabbed a hold of that and said, ah, oh, here's proof of the Book of Mormon. And we have to be careful. We have to be, you know, scholarly about this. And, and, and not every hole that we find in the ground in Mesoamerica automatically means it was a baptismal font, you know, mm-hmm. used by the Nephites. So we have to be very careful about this. And, and uh, that's what LDS scholars have done with it. There are a number of, of, of very prominent LDS archaeologists, Mesoamerican scholars that are believing members and and see the ties between what they have found and what their beliefs tell them. And they are using the tools of the academic world to 
learn about the ancient Americans, and then sometimes we see some parallels uh, that highlight how the Book of Mormon people might have lived, and, and that's the, the correct way to go about it, rather than try to to uh, just cherry-pick anything that looks like it could have been part of the Book of Mormon culture. Thank you, Michael Ash. Thank you, Julianne. Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne DeLynn Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael Warash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org. 